Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I'll tell you what. What a difference. Hey, by the way, Kyle, I heard during the week about the headphones, and they're right. These headphones aren't like those old ones that were here forever. You, you liking the new ones? No, I like the old ones. Oh, the old ones. Okay. Yeah. We'll get on that. We'll try to bring those old ones Too back Too much for you. bass in these for talk. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, I'm, I'm on. Mike Evans was all over. We're all blaming Zach. I mean, not, not Zach. I mean, uh, yeah, Zach. We're all blaming him for breaking them, right? Yeah, that's fine with me. All right. I sent him a text, too. We'll get through today, but it doesn't sound the same. We're going to have to. There's going to be repercussions for this. <laughs> anyway, we got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk. Um, we're going to talk several ways you can get into the parks free and take advantage of them. We're going to talk about those and you know, take advantage of our state parks. We're going to talk about water flows and levels a lot today because it's what a difference a year makes. It is just incredible. We're going to talk a lot of fishing, both conventional and fly fishing. Second hour, we've got a segment. It'll be just fly fishing. Uh, We're going to start really getting into the hunting. Nate Zielinski is going to keep up with his big game scouting, and we are going to start talking about doves and upland game. I talked to... uh, the biologist for the terrestrial for the West Eastern Plains here in the last couple of days. So we've got a lot of ground cover. And I went out and checked out a bunch of ponds. I did some bass fishing. Just, uh, you know, had to, I had to work. I scraped for them. But I got some nice bass, and I'll kind of tell you how I approached that and what was going on. But right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Blue Mesa area is Robbie Richardson. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Terry. Well, that sounds better. These headphones aren't too bad. Robbie must have the right voice, Kyle. <laughs> anyway, we're, you probably heard us. Are. Anyway, let's. Um, you and I talked a couple times last year, and then, of course, you were at the ISE show uh, this, uh, this last January. Robbie appears at the ISE show when I host the tank every year. He's a guide out in the Blue Mesa area, an avid and accomplished angler. And, Robbie, what a, I, I said it earlier, but what a difference a year makes. Yeah, it's crazy. We we saw Blue Mesa rise 82 vertical feet since last fall, or even since this March. Um, and it's dropped a little bit since it peaked mid-July, but uh, unbelievable. Well, we went from being afraid we might lose the fishery it was getting so low to you guys were afraid there was going to be flooding down the canyon for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. The Bureau of Rec really had to be careful and manage the flows not letting it fill up too quickly so that they they didn't get in a pinch. Yeah, because uh, if people don't think, they think, well, fill the reservoir. Well, that's good. Fill it up. But if all of a sudden the water comes suddenly, um, that full reservoir can't handle it, and you've got to let water go at a much higher pace. than you know, we were we kind of dodged a bullet everywhere in the state this year because with the amount of snow we had, if we would it stayed cool and it melted slowly and started late. If we would have got really hot weather early in thunderstorms, we could have had flooding that was epic, but we didn't. And right now, um, it's changed conditions, and you and I are going to talk about that, the fact that it's different out there. But what a blessing to get this water. Oh, yes, answered prayers all the way around the state, and you said it best, that it it couldn't have melted out any more perfect. Um, the pace was just ideal for not having flooding, but being able to fill these reservoirs and 
now we're sitting pretty going into the fall. We sure are. I want to talk to you about the fishing at Blue Mesa, but before we do, what are you seeing in the river flows out in your area? Are they starting to settle down? Are they fishable? Are they still running pretty high? Uh, yeah, they're running a little bit high uh, for this time of year, but um, definitely fishable. I've heard the fishing is, is decent on the rivers, but uh, everything, everything seems a little bit off this year. Kind of as far as the fishing goes on Blue Mesa, and I'm sure for a lot of other reservoirs, everything's a, a few weeks behind because of that long, kind of prolonged spring slash winter we had into May and early June. Um, but all the rivers and streams have settled down. Uh, they're running clear, and, and they're all fair game fishing-wise. And and the fish should be in good shape because the uh, uh, th- there's been cool water all summer, unlike last year when we were afraid of the warm water. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of benefits to this. The, the rivers get scoured out. They get cleaned up. We get a lot of healthy fisheries, both in the rivers and in the reservoirs, because you get— um, you get good cool water temperatures. You get you get new nutrients in the reservoir. You get a lot of uh, you get a lot of expanded habitats, so bait fish and other fish can kind of spread and explode. So in the long term, this is going to be incredible for the health of those fisheries. But you hit it on the head when you said we're a little behind. We're not only behind, but we're really different this year, and a lot of people are struggling with that, Rob. Yeah, yeah, it. It, uh, there's a lot of factors at play, and you definitely got to work a lot harder, it seems like, on average, to to see results similar to years past um, with Blue Mesa, just with our kokanee salmon. You know, most of the time those fish, they're one of the more sporty fish in Colorado, and it might be 40, 50 feet deep, you hook a salmon, that thing's heading to the surface to jump. And this year, I bet 95% of our fish don't jump at all. They're They're more lethargic. We've had some uh, some of the what we call four-year-old or the mature fish hit the lure, and then they'll they'll be hooked and they'll just keep swimming with it. So you're not even sure if the fish is on there, and you reel it in to check your bait, and there's a, a nice fish on there. So everything is a little bit different, um, which is frustrating for some, but it's also kind of you know for a guy who's out there all the time, it's a whole new puzzle to put together, and the challenge can be something that's uh, new and exciting as well. Well, let's go through what the state of the fishing is and what you look forward here. You mentioned the salmon. Normally, you're 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 switching from trolling to jigging for those salmon as we get closer to fall. What's the what's the status right now? <laughs> That's a great question, Terry. We're we're seeing a little bit of both still going on. There's some schools starting to form, but they're not as tight as they usually are. And, and by that, I mean there's not you know usually we don't see any air gaps in the school. Um, that means that the fish are kind of in a stationary position. And uh, usually when their, their, their school isn't showing any gaps on your sonar, they're more apt to bite. But a lot of the schools we're seeing, they've got those air gaps, and that usually means those fish are still swimming. Um, so it's a lot harder to get, you know, to get set up and vertically jig on those fish because by the time you get down 80 feet, they've already moved out from under your boat. So that's usually just kind of a, uh, an early uh, characteristic of these schools. So I'm hoping this full moon that comes in, um, I think it's on Thursday this week, is really going to get our jigging pattern in place. But I don't know if that'll be the case or not. So right now we're, we're playing it safe. We're trolling in the morning, kind of letting the school set up. And then uh, 
and then rolling the dice a little bit later in the day and, and trying to catch a few out of these schools. And the other weird thing we're seeing, when we do get a school to sit still, you'll catch a fish and get a few bites right off the bat. And then that school just kind of hunkers down and, and the rest of the fish don't want to play ball. Um, and usually you're going to catch a lot more fish uh, out of a school, you know, anywhere from five to 10 opportunities before they kind of go in lockdown mode. But this year it's like you pull one fish and that school just shuts off. Huh. But you did tell me, we talked earlier though, that the salmon are running pretty good size. Yes. We've seen, I mean, some of those four-year-old males are consistently running 18, 19 inches. We've seen one around 20 inches, um, but really thick uh, with all the, like the food you mentioned in the lake, we're, we're seeing incredible plankton blooms and even your average size fish is so fat. Like some of them, you can't even barely fit your hand around. So they're, I think that plays into the lethargic, their lethargic uh, attitude. They're just, they're stuffed full. They're like they're me, fat and happy. <laughs> <laughs> On Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that has something to do with it. And the other, the one thing that's concerning for me, seeing those schools not as aggressive, uh, in 2013 and 14, we were finding schools, but they didn't want to bite. And it was because our oxygen levels, those were drought years, those oxygen levels down at, you know, 70 to 90 feet were one part per million. And we actually started to see fish float up uh, dead at the end of August. So that was a, a big concern that hurt us you know, for the, the next cycle, the next three, four years of fish. And this year, obviously, that's not a problem. we got plenty of water, plenty of oxygen. The only thing that, that kind of gives us an explanation as why they're acting that way is the gill lice. Um, so I don't know if, if the gill lice in there and those fish that are deeper is just kind of putting them in a bad mood or making it a little harder for them to, to breathe that deep or, or what the case is, but only time will tell. Yeah, I think we'll get you back on towards fall when they're really starting to run. And I think we'll know the story then and uh, we'll get an update for, from you. But I think overall, I guess the news is there's lots, there is a lot of salmon out there and they're good size. You got to work for them, but they're worth it. So that's probably, that, yes. that's probably a good message. Let's, let's, before we run out of time, cover some of the other species. How about the rainbows and the browns? Now I haven't fished the rainbows much up there. And, uh, but I think there's a, there are a lot of them are stocked, but I think there's, there's holdover and wild rainbows also, but the browns can be phenomenal as we head into fall. What are you seeing now, and what do you look for as we get into fall for those two species? Yeah, we're seeing good numbers of both. Um, not so much when we're trolling for salmon, but if you focus on some of the inlet areas or the Iola Basin, the trout fishing has been really good. Um, just trolling, some guys are doing a little casting. The shore fishing is tough because of all the flooded brush, you know, that, that grew up over the last year is now underwater. So it's real snaggy. If you're throwing lures or flies, you're going to have a little better success. But uh, lots of opportunities. Uh, these fish, when the water's high like this, they like to get in those inlet areas and that flooded brush, and there's so much food up there. Um, plus, there's so much food coming in from those inlet areas that uh, you just really see concentrations of trout uh, stack up, like at the Gunnison River mouth. Savoia Creek, Lake, uh, the Soap Creek, Lake Fork of the Gunnison. So I'd really focus on those areas early and late in the day, and, and you'll have plenty of action. And it should continue into the fall. Um, you know, the Browns will be looking to spawn late fall, but those fish are going to be hanging out in those inlet areas. They got no reason to leave. 
Yeah, it should be, and it's it's such a big body of water. And I love it, though, when they do hang out in that shore, even though it's snaggy. It's kind of like bass fishing, those big browns in the fall. I've caught some beautiful browns just casting those shorelines. you got to know a little bit about what you're doing, but, boy, can it be fun. How about the lake trout, the Mackinac? Uh, obviously, you, Blue Mesa grows huge Mackinac. Uh, sounds like there's probably plenty of food. There's salmon, trout, I mean, there's perch that we'll get to in a minute. What are you seeing for lake trout now, and when would you expect to see the real real lake trout fishing take off? Well, I'd say the, the water coming up and the instability of the just the whole environment of Blue Mesa probably affected the lake trout the most. Um, those fish really like, you know, when, in the springtime when our water levels or our, our water temperatures are cool, they usually like to see consistency and depth um, on, a, on a certain piece of structure and so we didn't really have that this spring uh, water levels are coming up one to two foot a day and some of the times the water was coming in so fast that we were experiencing very stained or almost chocolate milk uh, water clarity so this spring was one of my more challenging lake trout um, seasons uh, we caught plenty of nice fish but holy cow there was days we had to go look for three, four hours before we could even have an opportunity at finding a, a small concentration to jig for. So um, I think that once things kind of start cooling down this fall, um, I really, we're going to have to get a really cold winter for the whole lake to freeze now that it's so full. So I think late into the fall, maybe even in the month of December after those fish, some of those fish have already spawned. Um, that's when we're going to start to see some good opportunities for quality lake trout. And right now we're catching some smaller lake trout mixed in with the salmon since those salmon are down 50 to 80 feet. Um, but it's not like it's on fire. So I think it's really going to be kind of a late fall and into ice fishing season before we see the lake trout turn back on. Now there's a species that's not supposed to be in there that has really taken hold, and that's the perch. In fact, you've caught some jumbo perch there. Tell us about the perch fishing. Yeah, they went kind of missing last year we caught some but there just wasn't a bunch of shallow structure like there had been because of the water levels so i think the perch kind of pulled off into some old sagebrush that you know that a lot of people didn't didn't really know where that was and so they were kind of uh in a sanctuary last year and really not fished that much so this year uh just in the last few weeks i've been hearing a lot of good perch reports uh, numbers and quality, pretty much any cove. I mean, every cove is loaded with brush. You can go into a cove, kind of fish that 5 to 20 foot of water range, and you're going to find perch. Um, one of my guides the other day was scouting some new water, trolling for salmon, and they hooked a fish. Wasn't sure what it was, and they get it to the boat, and it's a 14-inch, one-and-a-half-pound yellow perch. So, wow. Um yeah, there are some jumbos out there to be caught if you can find them. Oh, those are good eating, too. Oh, they taste good. Yeah. So, Robbie, we got to go, be. but if people want more information or they want to book a trip with you, how do they find you? You guys can check out sportfishcolorado.com and bluemesafishing.com, or you can reach out to me via call or text on my phone. Cell phone number at 719-649-3378. And give the websites again sportfishcolorado.com and bluemesafishing.com. All right, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Great information and may have to work a little harder right now for the fish, but this bodes well for one of the most incredible fisheries in the state. 
Yep, that's the truth. Thanks for having me on, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Robbie Richardson. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to teach you how you can go to Colorado State Parks for free and check them out right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Debbie Leininger. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay. It's a little cloudy, but I think we're, we got so much good weather coming. You know, we get a little stormy in the summer, but we, we stay so nice into the fall. I mean, it's great to be outdoors in Colorado. Well, all, people are staying outdoors all through the winter now because they do winter activities. They do snowshoeing. They do cross-country skiing. They hike. They go camping. But as we get into the fall, some of the best weather, and it's not as crowded, and people are out there. And, you know, one of the things that this show is dedicated always to is getting people in the outdoors. But Colorado Parks and Wildlife is very much on board with recruiting no people, new people to understand the resources they have available, aren't they? Right. We Our new tagline is live life outside because we want to get all Coloradans and our visitors to Colorado outside. And today I've got a couple, couple opportunities for free, which we don't normally have, so I want to be sure and tell your viewers, listeners about it. First thing we've got is for military, honoring our military the whole month of August is free. Military members get in for free to the state parks. They have to bring their ID in with them. We've got some things on the website that describe the forms of ID that we accept, but they bring it into one of our offices or state parks, and they can get a free pass issued, and they get in and out of the state parks for free the whole month of August. So if there are any military members listening, please take advantage of that. Well, and that's that's so great because you know a lot of you know there's a lot of organizations dedic- dedicated to military, both veterans and active, and a lot of these guys come home from um, serving and maybe not the best conditions, or even if they stay here, they're putting their life, putting themselves on the line, ready to go for us. And if we want to get them, it's therapeutic to get outdoors and get by the water and go for hikes, and that's a great program. So that goes the entire month of August, right? Right. Also, if the military has a Colorado disabled license plate, they get in for free all year. So that's another benefit for them. And then, of course, on Veterans Day, November 11th, every year we let you in. You don't have to get a special pass for that. You can just come in through the gates at the state parks and enjoy the outdoors. You're right. It's very therapeutic, and we are proud of our military for serving our country. Oh, so much so. We love them on this show, for sure. You know, Debbie, there's a lot of them. I, I can't remember. There's 40-some state parks now. and 41. And we, uh, there, a lot of them are right close to the metro area. They're spread all over the state, though. There's a variety of activities. But I think a lot of people hesitate to buy a parks pass because they're afraid they're not going to use it enough, or they won't even know how to begin using it. You partnered with a, a bunch of the libraries to help overcome that, haven't you? Right. Um, we have so many new people moving in, especially to the Front Range area. Um, we created a unique partnership with the state library, and then 300 local libraries are public libraries throughout the state to give people access to our state parks through a unique program that we're calling the Checkout Colorado State Parks Backpack Program. All of the state li- or the public libraries have two backpacks in them 
They contain a free parks pass, and you can use the backpack for a week. So really, you get entrance in and out of the park for a week if you have the backpack checked out. There's some learning materials in it. It's got a set of binoculars so you can explore, take, maybe take a great hike, and maybe take advantage of one of our interpretive programs or the, you know, the campfire around the campfire programs. We have lots of interpreters in the parks, especially in the summertime. So now, it's a great learning opportunity. Oh, it's tremendous. It is. And that's the whole part is to help use our libraries to learn about the outdoors. And the the pass you get when you check out one of these backpacks is a, a hang pass that goes on the vehicle. So you get a whole carload of people in with it, right? Right. We're trying to encourage families to get out because you make family memories in a state park. The scenery, the you know, just the experience of what your kids discover and whatnot, or, you know, young couples and doing, you know, just going on a weekend trip or a day trip, things like that. So definitely trying to encourage it. And the libraries have lots to offer. They're part of the reason they partnered with us on this is they're not just to check out a book library anymore. They've got lots of unique opportunities for people. They've got classes. You can learn social media, get on you know, explore. We've got books associated with this program or, that are about exploring the outdoors. So the state, the public libraries are really a good resource, and they've been a great partner for us. Now the you, other thing I want to mention this year is that we added a night sky viewing brochure to this. Um, with it being the anniversary of the moonwalk, we wanted to do something to kind of commemorate and, and be in line with that. So we added a, a guide to the constellations in this part of the country and it glows in the dark you light it you know you get your flashlight on it get it all lit up and then you can kind of use it to look at the night sky and figure out constellations so again another unique learning opportunity for getting outside well and if you get to some of these parks you get just you can get just enough away from the city lights where people will be so amazed at how much more they see in the sky because once you get a little bit away from the city it just really just shines through um and now they check these out for a week at a time, do the do you know if the libraries are first come first serve or reservations? Do you have to reserve them? They vary by library, so you need to check out your own library and see what their procedure is. Some of them, because there's two backpacks, they'll offer the first one first the first backpack as first come first served, and then the second backpack they'll put on a wait list. Well, and some just keep them on a wait list. The Denver Public Library system, it's very popular there, and there is a longer wait. So if you kind of go to the, some of the city outlying libraries, it's easier to check one out sometimes. So that's a little tip. And then, again, we've got eight metro parks that are the state parks that are within an hour drive of Denver metro area. But like you said, we've got 41 state parks, and they're really unique and unusual scenery and different experiences throughout the state. So any listeners that are you know, statewide, that's important. And the night sky brochure, Jackson Lake State Park, which is up the North I-76 corridor just outside the city, they've got a special program where they've changed out their lights and they're pretty dark and you can really get a good view of the night sky. And some people who are headed down the I-70 corridor, I would suggest going east instead and go up to Jackson Lake State Park or North Sterling State Park. Well, Those are kind of underutilized and you can get right on the water. And, so it's very cool. And Jackson Lake, even at uh, several times a year, they have uh, astronomers out there with telescopes. They'll even uh, help you, and you can take part in that. So you got to look, check their website for that. Before we run out of time, too, there is another way 
that you can get into parks. Now, it isn't free because you have to rent the vehicle, but getting into the parks is free with the vehicle. Tell us about that. Right. In the Denver metro area, Zipcar is a car-sharing, ride-sharing program. It's membership-based, so you do have to join as a member. But they've partnered with us, and they bought state park passes to put on all the vehicles. So if you use one of those cars in your rental, maybe you're going to, you've only got one car in your family and you want to rent a second car for maybe going to the grocery store, getting a big run of groceries or something, or you want to just take a picnic in the park in midweek in the Denver metro area, especially now you can get into the state parks for free with the passes that are inside those zip cars. If you go on the zip car website, it kind of explains the program and it tells you where the car is. There's 14 in the metro area, and they're parked at various locations throughout. So they're easy walking distance for a lot of metro people, and then you can use them for whatever purpose you want. But we we would like you to get outside and go to a state park for free. Well, and there's a lot of people that would go to state parks, but they live downtown and don't even have a car. They probably have a driver's license. So they could rent the zip car, and they could go visit any of the parks, whether it's a day trip or a camping trip, uh, and then use that to get in and explore the parks. You know, Debbie, there's you've brought up a number of ways here, the library backpacks, the veterans and the military program, the zip cars. I'm so glad to see parks encouraging people to get out and explore. Of course, the hope is they'll keep coming, buy parks passes and and become outdoor people. That's what we all want to see because the outdoors just bring so many values and so much bonding and culture to our lives. Debbie, thanks to State Parks for these programs. Thank you for having us on to let people know about them. All right. We'll be talking to you again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Debbie. Okay. That's uh, Debbie Leninger from uh, State Parks. Just, you know, we got 41 state parks in Colorado. Get out and, I mean, you can do fishing, you can do hiking, you can do boating, you can do picnics, you can do wildlife watching, you can do sky watching. There's just so much to do in the state parks, and each one is unique. So take advantage of some of this, check them out, and then start going on a regular basis. We come back, we're going to take you to one of those state parks and talk about some programs they're initiating, see how the fishing is, and a few other activities on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Eagle, got to play a couple licks. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is Brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, who are having an incredible deal right now. And they're having a car and a motorcycle show coming up there in a couple weeks. I'll tell you about that later. Let's go to the phones. And uh, joining us from 11 Mile and Spinney State Parks is Casey McClurg. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm always doing great. The next best thing to being outdoors is talking about it. You know, Casey, somebody asked me one time, they said, how could you retire from television and keep doing radio? I said, it's easy. I catch more fish on radio. But, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you're at two of the nicer parks. I mean, there a lot of people think of them as one park area because they're virtually connected. Why don't you tell people where you're located and kind of describe the parks? Oh, well, we're located uh, in the dead center of Colorado at 11 Mile Reservoir and Spinning Mountain State Parks. Uh, we're connected through the Dream Stream, uh, which is obviously known for its tremendous brown trout and world-class uh, trout fly fishing. Uh, so two massive reservoirs sitting on this historic South Park Plateau. It's a tremendous place to come out and camp, bring your family, enjoy some world-class uh, gold medal fishing as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's a tremendous Tremendous area. I love it out there. It has a lot to offer. And 
you got an initiative coming up pretty soon. We'll talk about that in a minute, but let's talk about some of the, the other activities you can do there right now. You mentioned camping. You have large campsites there. We do. We have over 300 campsites. Uh, we do not offer a full hookup because of our location, but we have a few electric sites. Uh, one of the largest state park campgrounds in the state. So uh, it's really exciting. We get to have people from all over the world who come over to enjoy mostly our fishing, but we have some great boating. We're uh, also known for uh, some of our great wildlife viewing opportunities, amazing pronghorn and uh, a lot of the wildlife that you've come to uh, love and, and know about in Colorado, you can see right here on the South Park Plateau. Now, we should explain that there's some different regulations as far as when the parks are open. 11 Mile is virtually open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months out of the year, where Spinney is a day-use park with seasonal openings. Is that right? That's correct. So Spinney is seasonal based on when ice comes on the reservoir and then goes off the reservoir. And then 11 miles open year-round, which brings up a great point about the ice fishing throughout the winter. This winter we experienced about 40 inches of ice and had a really late season. So some of the best ice fishing that's been had out here in years. So while we enjoy the summer, we're also looking forward to that coming back around here in just a few months. Well, you know, you mentioned the ice fishing. You mentioned the camping. And I talk to a lot of the parks people, and I imagine you're seeing this too, but are you seeing where where used to, the parks used to slow down in the winter? And, of course, they still do, but there's a lot more people that are just camping and fishing and just getting outside year-round, aren't there? Yes, even though we get really cold and temperatures up to you know negative 40 throughout the winter, we still have some dedicated folks that come out. We're busy on the weekends. Uh, pretty much the only time we slow down is when that ice is either coming on or coming off the reservoirs. But I mean, we're seeing approaching 500,000 people visiting our park a year. Some of our parks are breaking the million visitors a year mark. So definitely a lot to do year-round, but we also have a, a lot of love that goes on out here, a lot of visitation. Well, I want to get to your, your initiative that's coming up, but let's touch on the fishing because I know that uh, later on in the next hour, um, Nate Zielinski is going to come out, and he loves fishing spinny. What are you hearing between the two reservoirs in the Dreamstream right now? So uh, we'll start with Spinney. Um, the pike are really starting to pick up, uh, really hanging out in the shallows, both at Spinney and 11 Mile. Uh, we're seeing some Karana ha- uh, midges that are uh, getting ready to hatch, so we're seeing uh, larvae in the water. And we have the Calabetas are doing pretty well at Spinney right now. Um, as far as 11 Mile, there's always pretty decent shoreline fishing, if especially if you're going to be using any kind of bait. Uh, just reiterating, though, 11 Mile is the only body of water in this entire park complex that does allow bait. Spinney is artificial fly and lure only, as is all the sections of river. Uh, but moving over to 11 Mile, our south side of the reservoir is doing great. We have uh, trouter biting. Uh, they're doing great with some um, of the earthworms. Uh, garlic power bait seems to be doing well, as well as uh, spoons, tubes, and Tasmanian devils. All right. So this is just great fishing, and it's a great body of water, and there's just so many opportunities between the different trout. You have some salmon, the pike, I believe even there's some perch and smallmouth, so you can get out there and just catch a number of fish. Let's talk about this initiative you have coming up, though. And One of the things I hate the most is when you go out into a pristine area of the outdoors and People have left their trash or haven't really taken care of it. 
you're going to have an initiative, and I believe I believe the initiative is called Leave No Trace, but you're going to kick it off today with something called Clean the Dream. Tell us about the initiative and then the kickoff. So we've noticed, just like you mentioned, we have these folks that come out to enjoy our state parks, but not everybody grew up with being uh, raised on the principles of environmental stewardship and conservation, which is the wise use of our resource. Uh, So what happens is, you know, pretty much everybody knows that litter's not okay, but we still have some people who don't seem to connect with that and the reasons why. Um, We also have people that don't realize things like bringing bait to high altitude reser- uh, reservoirs, you know, live fish, things like that uh, can be problematic to to that ecosystem. We also have people that don't realize that maybe leaving their unused bait on shoreline uh, could be an issue. And we even just had, unfortunately, a couple birds that we've picked up today that were tangled in fishing line from people who just aren't uh, picking up after themselves and being those wide stewards, wise stewards of our lands. So with uh, Leave No Trace, it's basically seven principles from the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics based out of Boulder that helps our people to uh, be able to come out and be better stewards and advocates for these places. Like we mentioned a little bit earlier, we have hundreds of thousands of people that come out to visit our parks every year. And while it's great to have more people visiting, it's also starting to love our parks to death in a way. Uh, So we have these seven principles, if you'd like me to go through those real quick. Please, go through those. So uh, basically we have, uh, the first one is planning ahead and preparing. Uh, So the more prepared you are, the less likely you are to have some kind of emergency where uh, you either maybe don't even have a trash bag to haul your trash out or even uh, some kind of search and rescue type emergency. So that's one way you can be a steward. Uh, Second way is to travel and camp on durable surfaces. At 11 Mile especially, our social trails are a really big problem, and we also have issues with people camping outside of the designated areas. And what that does is create some kind of damage to vegetation and possibly uh, nesting grounds for some of our ground nesting birds and things like that. So uh, making sure that you're hiking on these durable services and camping and uh, traveling on those is really helpful. Our third, which is what we're really highlighting today, is to to dispose of your waste properly. Uh, That means we're not leaving bags of dog droppings on the side of the trail for somebody else to pick up later. We're picking up any kind of bait or line that may become unattached from our poles. And generally, you know, any kind of litter, anything you bring into the park, you should be taking out as well. Uh, The fourth point is to leave what you find. Especially in our state parks, we have a lot of things that are of geological and archaeological and even historic and cultural value. So if we have folks that are coming in and picking up maybe an arrowhead that they found, they don't realize that that could have been something culturally relevant, and we're taking those opportunities away from other people being able to experience some in the future. Uh, Anywhere in Colorado, campfire uh, can be an issue, so we look to minimize our campfire impacts. In state parks, we do that by having uh, having our campfires in designated fire pits. Uh, We don't allow any kind of fires outside in undesignated areas, nothing along the shoreline, anything like that. Our sixth point is to respect wildlife. So we're not doing the selfies, as we all know. Um, you know, not stopping on the side of the road, running after them, not feeding wildlife. And that includes, especially at 11 Mile and Spinney, we have a lot of livestock. Uh, that includes not feeding them from your car as well, no matter how cute they may be. 
And the seventh point is to be considerate of other visitors. Uh, that's going to be things like making sure you're not blasting music, uh, especially when you're out on the trails, that we're sharing the trails, uh, that we're sharing spots along the shoreline, making sure that our campers and our shore anglers are able to uh, all jointly enjoy the resource. Uh, we see this can become a problem when we have uh, waterfowl season, so we open hunting up on our park complex, um, and we also have anglers that are wanting to come out and enjoy the brown trout when they're uh, in their pre-spawning stage as well. Yeah, and we know we're always going to have, we have outdoor people, and none of them are evil. They just have maybe a different recreational activity than you do, and we have to learn to share the resources, whether you're a, a boater, a water skier, a, a hiker, a horseback, an ATV trail. Understand the rules where you're at, and then understand how the etiquette and rules apply to interacting with other people. Now, as you kick this initiative off, we'll get to your Clean the Dream here in just a second. As you kick this initiative off, uh, my understanding from talking to you earlier is that you're not going to be just running out slamming people with tickets that may come to that, but you're really going to be working hard to give more gentle reminders to people. Is that right? That's correct. We don't want to go out and you know punish people for something they didn't know. We like to utilize the the tremendous resource that we have to educate people. You know, when we're able to show them a pristine area, they can appreciate it, and then they want to help to preserve that in the future. So we find a lot of success with, first of all, understanding why people have these behaviors, maybe why they felt it was okay to litter or to not share the trail, and then educate them first. And we try to reserve the more daunting citations for uh, people who are being a little bit more careless, uh, who maybe know better, who frequent the area and just don't seem to care. Unfortunately, there's a very small population that will still do that. Uh, but overall, it's people that just weren't raised and maybe this kind of environment, these kinds of recreation opportunities, like you were saying. And it's a good opportunity to give them maybe some programs and get them connected in a more positive way. All right. Now, you're kicking that off today, I believe, with Clean the Dream. We've got a minute or two left. Tell me about that. So we have about uh, 200 volunteers right now that have descended upon the 11-mile and Spinney State Park complex. Um, what they're doing is going around and picking up. We're estimating we'll have over 1,200 pounds of uh, trash, may even breach a ton, that they're going to pick up from our shorelines and some of our camping areas, uh, places that have the higher use. And what we're hoping to accomplish with this, uh, this is our fourth annual Clean the Dream event. It's sponsored through Landon Mayer Fly Fishing. So he's the one who really helps to organize and bring everybody together. And what we end up doing is trying to set a nice baseline, give people a really good idea of how much trash can be generated in an area like this. And then we'll use these techniques and these education opportunities we've talked about going forward to help educate people and hopefully maintain the park at a higher standard of cleanliness and preservation uh, with the ultimate goal, as ambitious as it may be, to be um, a gold standard state park for the Leave No Trace principles through that uh, Center for Outdoor Ethics. It all sounds great. It's all taking place at Spinney. You know, people can probably still get out today and see some of the results of this or maybe even help yet. I don't know. But certainly come out and see the results. But for sure, you can practice these things at every state park as you go. And are you posting this on your website? 
Yes, we post everything through our social media. Facebook is primarily. We also post it on our website online. And you're welcome to stop by the Visitor Center 365 days a year, get more information, and we'll get you set up with your volunteer hours and everything you need to help us practice these principles. All right, Casey, thank you so much. Great initiative. I love our state parks. Let's not love them to death. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Casey from uh, Spinning 11 Mile. What a great initiative. We'll take a quick time out, and then i got a couple things I want to go over with you on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Okay, from the Eagles to Dire Straits. We could just, instead of me talking these next few minutes, we could just listen to this song. You are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, which is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports. If you've been listening, you know I've been telling you that Sun has really got some sales going on on ATVs and side-by-sides to get you ready for your fall and winter activities. you just got to take advantage of them. Another thing that i got going on in two weeks, I believe it is, they're having a car and motorcycle show. They're going to block off the street. They're going to have all these cool customized cars and motorcycles. They'll have food. They'll have the whole works. Uh, check it out on their Facebook, Sun Power Sports Facebook, or sunent.com. And there's just so much going on there. They're our great friends, and we just love them partnering with this show. <coughs> Excuse me. A couple things I want to touch on. I was out doing some checking and talking to people. If you listened early in the show, we had Robbie Richardson on, and he uh, brought us up to speed up Blue Mesa. Blue Mesa is up, I think he said, 70 feet. It went from being the lowest it's been in like two or three decades to uh, almost worried about a flood threat, and it's about 99% full right now. It's actually starting to finally come down a little bit, but there's still water running in at a pretty good rate. Across the state, the rivers have really cleared up, and, you know, we didn't get that June, July summer fishing the way we normally do. It was different. All the fishing, conventional and fly fishing, has been different this year. The guys up at uh, North Park Anglers said the meadow streams up there, the flows are still stronger than you would expect this time of the year, but clear and extremely fishable. That's a great place if you ever want to get a grand slam. Uh, those meadow streams up at North Park. I was up there one time, and I missed the Grand Slam because normally you'll get a brown trout in some of those rivers up there pretty easily. And I got, I got a big cutthroat. I got a, I got a, um, I got some brook trout, and I got uh, a five six pound rainbow. All I needed was a brown to have a Grand Slam, right? Got on a little brown. It couldn't have been about more than six inches. Another five pound rainbow ate it, so I didn't really get the Grand Slam. But boy, was it fun! Also, I went around checking ponds and lakes for water levels uh, just the last couple of days. I'll try to post something on Facebook. You should follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Follow us there, and you'll find out what's going on. Like, I'll post what I found at these ponds and small lakes and give more detailed information on it. But also, you'd find out things like if you follow this week, you're going to find out that Chad Lachance is going to host a special edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors next week on ESPN 1600. We'll get all that information out there. So next week, because of a special Broncos training camp event, we won't be on the fan. We'll return the following week. But we're moving the show over to ESPN. And Chad Lachance is going to host it. And it'll be on ESPN 1600, 98.1. And you can listen online at ESPN. 
and we'll also put the podcasts up with our normal. We'll put them up with our normal podcasts on my page. Is that right, Kyle? That's definitely right. All right. So if you missed for some reason, we'll podcast it too. But if you follow us on Facebook, you'll get all that information. I do want to say I fished the ponds real quick. I know Nate's waiting. We'll get to him in just a second here. But I fished the uh, ponds. I went and checked. First of all, I checked a lot of the small lakes like Lawn Hagler and um, Bodecker and some of those. And the water levels, which have been down for a couple of years, are way up in those. And they're looking really good. So they're going to provide tons of recreational activity, whether it's fishing, boating, uh, paddleboarding, kayaking. They're looking good. I also went and stopped at a bunch of the small ponds that are stocked with bass and panfish. Now, I was selectively going after larger bass, so I was using a selection of large plastic worms, and I did get a lot of nipping so that I know that if I wanted to switch to a smaller bait, I could have picked up a bunch of panfish, probably bluegills and maybe a few crappies, which are pretty prevalent in all these ponds. They're stocked with them. But I did manage some real nice bass, not giants like you saw me catching on a trip I posted a while ago, but for fishing these small ponds, all I took was a bag of with a few different plastic worms in it, two or three weights, two or three hooks, and two rods, one rigged weightless, one rigged with a, a weight. And I went out and just worked slow on the edges of drop-offs, the outside edges of weeds, and, and just worked these. And I caught some very nice bass, but I had to work for them. I'll post more of that on Facebook, too. So uh, let's take a quick time out for identification. We'll come back with Nate Zielinski on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.